When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1. Or should we call it Max Verstappen podcast with Matt and Tommy? We are here once again, post Austrian Grand Prix, or should we call it the Track Limits Grand Prix? Should we call it the Snitching Grand Prix? There's plenty of names that we could call it, isn't there, Tommy? There is. Um, I just realised that I can actually wave in the intro this time because it will be on the video. Hello. Well done. You're not just waving to me, you're waving to all our <laughs> wonderful listeners and watchers. Um, so let's start with our five-star review, which of course we do every single time on audio. Uh, and if you want our, yours to be read out, please leave us a five-star review. Let us know why. It helps us massively. This one comes in from Samuel Henson from the UK. I started to watch Formula One from a young age with my father, but I wasn't very interested in it. In 2021, I found Matt and Tommy with their podcast adventures and fell in love with the sport. I now listen to them day and night. Whenever I haven't been able to watch a race, I will always listen to their race reviews to know exactly what has happened that day. Love to see how far they've come and what they will do in the future. Best of luck. Well, thank you, Samuel. Thank you. You're listening to us day and night. I'm so wow. sorry. Like, Never that stops. Is... Yeah, I mean, I'm sick of Tommy. I can't imagine how much you're sick of Constant of waffle in the ears. <laughs> too much waffle, too much. Okay, so let's talk about the Austrian Grand Prix, shall we? And begin with my most memorable moment. No hmm. surprises. As much as some people don't seem to get the fact that I wear Red Bull merch in order to jinx them, not because I've now actively started supporting them. I don't know what you, why you wear Ferrari personally, Tommy, because you're not trying to jinx them because they do enough jinxing themselves. No, I'm just here to gas up Carlos Sainz. Yeah, you've all of a sudden, <laughs> very strangely, just become a Carlos Sainz stan, which is which is fine. But my most memorable moment, memorable moment, is Leclerc back on the podium, and not even P3. Have a P2, sir. That's what we love to see. And look, it was never guaranteed, even though he was on the front row, that he would score a podium, score P2, uh, like it was last year. He would lose the lead to Verstappen a lot of the time, but he would still finish on the podium. We, we fast forward a year and it's struggle town. It's struggle city. We don't know whether it's going to be Aston, Mercedes, Ferrari that are that second fastest team. Baku, of course, we saw Leclerc on the podium. And once again, we have Leclerc on the podium for only the second time this year, which I'm smiling through the pain with that one. But Ferrari, as much as they had absolutely nothing in the locker to take to Red Bull... They were the second fastest team. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, Leclerc had a good, uh, a good race. It's funny, like you say, I didn't even think about that. That last year, a lot of the races, yeah, uh, Leclerc couldn't take the fight to Verstappen, and it was like a disappointment. But now you're like absolutely taking it because um, there we say P two is essentially first place is 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 now formula 1.5 uh is now finishing second behind max Verstappen. uh so yeah it was a good a good performance from leclerc and good to see uh ferrari back good stuff how dare you 
Like you're just you're just so cocky with your Max Verstappen, you know, fanboyism that you can just take the Mickey out of everyone else and all of our pain. Like how many times no, do I did. have to see over the last couple of years Max Verstappen passing Charles Leclerc for the lead? Like it is getting ridiculous now. However, we did actually have someone lead the race other than Max Verstappen for I think a whopping five laps, yeah. which I savored. Yeah, I know. It, I mean, again, you, you going like, oh, it's painful to see Max pass someone from the lead. It's actually the most <laughs> closest it's ever been to actually see Max have to overtake someone uh, to take to take the lead, even though since yeah, Miami, it wasn't yeah. really it wasn't really in doubt, was it? And the way Ferrari had the, the the pit stops and stuff, and the way it panned out. But nevertheless, a point for Tommy. We love to see it. A point for you? Yeah, oh, for, I, the, the, for the laps. The lap Let's thing. not ruin it. That, you're ruining <laughs> it, Tommy. That's later. Good Lord. Right. We need to go by the schedule. Yeah. And your next thing is your Sorry, most memorable moment. God, you had to jump is, the gun, didn't you? I know. I'm just too happy about getting points because I never do. Um, so my most memorable moment is also a Ferrari driver, uh, and it's the battle between Carlos Sainz and Sergio Perez. Um, there was a lot of nice battling during the race, actually. Um, not really mentioned it uh, at the start of the, the podcast, so I will just say I thought it was actually pretty pretty good race for this uh, for this season, which I know the standard isn't very high, but there was a lot of nice battles throughout the midfield, a lot of passing, um, and uh, really enjoyed it. But the one that stood out to me uh, was the Sainz and Perez battle because we all know that Red Bull, um, and we saw it with Verstappen, he breezed past everyone. Even Perez really did breeze past everyone uh, in the in the pack that he was, you know, when he was passing. But Sainz really did school him with a bit of very clever driving where he knew where the DRS line was. We've seen it before, uh, particularly with Leclerc and Verstappen, where they play a bit of DRS chicken with each other. Uh, and it was really good to see, and I can't believe Perez fell for it twice, to be honest, in a, in a row. But um, it was really good driving from from Science, and it felt inevitable that Perez was going to just breeze past him. So it was really cool to see a bit of battling. And look, uh, would it would Perez have been able to catch up? Um, uh, Charles probably not, but it certainly cemented it Definitely of there not. being any chance anyway. So um, yeah, great driving from Science, and it was a really enjoyable battle. Yeah, Charles Leclerc had it absolutely in the locker, Tommy. There's no <laughs> doubts about it. I can't believe you'd even suggest that Perez would have caught uh, Leclerc 12 seconds at the end of the race behind uh, Charles. So, uh, you know, but no, it was a great battle to, to watch Sainz and Perez. Um, he almost fell for it a third time as well, uh, I felt yeah. like, into uh, that, that heartbreaking zone of turn three. Of course, the DRS line just before they kind of reached that hairpin. Um, and he tried it, Sainz. Uh, on uh, on Verstappen, so did Leclerc, and Verstappen both times was like absolutely not. And I'm just saying, I know that you know naturally as a racer, you probably will learn this and make sure you adapt to it. But those kind of shenanigans you see more often in racing online and race like sim racing. And I feel as though Verstappen and Leclerc, when they battled, it's because they they do do a lot of that stuff. They have that kind of mind about them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how Max didn't even fall for it once. He knew immediately what that Ferrari would try and do. And both times he nailed it, got the DRS, and then uh, destroyed them down the, the straight into turn four. So, yeah. But anyway, the, the battle was great. Thankfully, Perez was falling for it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had that battle. Um, and apparently, Perez was very intimidating, uh, according to science. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about 
the likes of Verstappen, Leclerc, you could say like Norris as well. Yeah, they do, you know, jump on their sims in their spare time and they live and breathe racing. And, you know, maybe that is part of it, that they're, they're always thinking about these things in the wheel-to-wheel battle because it, it was, yeah, almost like video game stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a really, really good battle. Liked it. Question from at Sayhill underscore D underscore F1. Carlos is now driving at Leclerc's level. Well, I'm glad you've announced that. One could argue <laughs> he was the better of the two this weekend, but the team put him on the back foot from the start rather than letting him make the pass and take a shot at Max. Why no team orders for Carlos when they do it for Charles? Right. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna just gonna, just gonna I put this one in just for you. Posture in here. Yeah, this is like spicy. a burner account for you, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm not having this. Okay. Right. I will gladly admit. Carlos has stepped up his game and has, probably over the last few races, been better than Charles Leclerc on the face of it. If we're looking at Austria in particular, again, he was really good in the sprint. Hands down, good stuff. This particular race, I don't think Carlos was any quicker than Charles Leclerc. I think they were on a good level, marginally different. Like they were, they were two Ferrari drivers having a great time with their car. This track is a one minute 10 lap in the race. With three DRS zones, you cannot escape a driver who is similar pace to you unless you make a mistake or whatnot. Carlos was driving well all over the back of Leclerc, but there's three DRS zones. That is what made it look like Carlos was unbelievably quick compared to Charles for those that maybe didn't think about that too much. There is no way in hell he was catching Max in any realm so I just want to clear that up because that's my opinion is that, OK, Carlos might have had half a tenth on Charles, let's say, in the race, but he wasn't quick enough to overtake Charles on track. And if they had swapped, I am fully of the opinion that Charles, who also proved it later on in the race when he was in clean air compared to Carlos, that they were of similar pace, if not Charles was a little bit quicker at times. So that is my piece. Thank you. Yeah, I can't. I can't sit here and say that he'd have a shot at Max because Max was gone. Like Max was untouchable this weekend. And the Red Bull is too too fast, and uh, Carlos was never never going to catch him. Um, he's obviously you know going to be disappointed because he was told don't don't pass. I hold the position now, and he was looking uh, racy and looking like he was you know he might have gone for a move. Maybe he'd have absolutely sent it with a dive bomb if it wasn't his teammate and is a little bit risky, like we said with Alonso and Stroll yesterday. Um, but I think the problem is that, uh, in my opinion, you don't... Uh, Carlos, I don't think there was anything to separate them and they were just there, you know, racing really, really close. And I think if uh, Carlos had made the move on, or even they'd swapped we'd have had exactly the same situation. I don't think Charles was faster that he'd have repassed Carlos. I think you'd have just had exactly the same thing where he'd been stuck on his, stuck like in the DRS the whole time. He'd have stuck with him. And then Charles would have probably gone on the radio and went, hey, I'm quicker. Can I get let through again? Um, uh, and the one thing I would actually disagree is that I don't think it's fair to say that uh, why no team orders for Carlos when they do it for Charles because Charles is the one that normally has found himself, unfortunately, on that <laughs> that bad side of it. You know, um, they were told to maintain position um, and that is probably 
a sensible thing really um where and it it was just they were just very 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 unfortunate that there was a vsc and they then obviously wanted to both pit together and did the worst double stack of all time but we'll get into that later we will indeed uh, one more thing i'll say on this is that i actually wouldn't have been against in order to at least satisfy carlos's racy need to swap them Charles lifts off down, you know, towards turn three. Carlos has to go for five laps. We proved the theory that he cannot drive away from Charles and then they swap back. I don't think that would have been too much of a problem. And the thing that I think also proves the theory of how powerful DRS is around this track is Lando Norris was quite a lot slower than Carlos Sainz when Carlos passed him straight out the pits. And yet Lando held on to DRS for dear life for quite a few laps. And there is quite a pace differential, I would say, this weekend between the the, the Ferrari and the, and, and the McLaren. Yeah, there's definitely half a second, or I don't know, I'm just plucking numbers out of thin air, thin air here. But Ferrari was definitely the second fastest car. Um, so that's kind of what I would say to, to back up that theory before you've um, you know potentially called me a fanboy in the comments. <laughs> Next question. One Pablo SF1. Why did Ferrari double box under the VSC? It seemed a bit too risky and Sainz got absolutely shafted. Luckily, he had the pace to catch up that fast to Norris, Hamilton and Perez. I mean, I'm not particularly against what Ferrari did because at the end of the day, they saw that as a time save of eight, 10 seconds, something like that. I think it was around 17, 18 seconds for a pit stop and then I think it's an eight second saving uh, under the VSC. If they lost four seconds doing the double stack, they've still had a net gain of four seconds if they see that as a free pit stop and that they would have been pitting not long after that anyway. So I'm not really going to have a go at that. I mean, the, the double stack was four and a half seconds for the pair of them. So it wasn't <laughs> like they were rushing, um, but I'm not too angry at the double box just purely because the Ferrari is n notoriously known for being worse on its tyres than the Red Bull I don't think copying Verstappen's strategy would have been the right way. I think when we were watching it, we were going, oh, why didn't they split the strategy and at least try? But now with the benefit of hindsight, I think, was there really anything to gain for them not trying to take advantage of the VSC? Yeah, I think the, the thing here that science got absolutely shafted from was the unfortunate case that you had to double stack. Uh, and that cost him a lot of time uh, to Leclerc because he had to obviously drop back and then he had a slow pit stop as well. And to um, be fair, sorry to butt in, Tommy, but that four and a half second pit stop for Leclerc and also four and a half second pit stop for Sainz, he's not missing out uh, on Norris if those pit stops are normal. No, no, because the way the way it works is, you know, they were they were obviously behind the the VSC, so it wasn't like... Um, because Ferrari were actually quite unfortunate that I, I think they didn't box straight away because they missed it. Like they couldn't react in time and they'd already passed the pits and the, the guys behind them. But obviously because it was a VSC, the uh, Norris and Hamilton didn't get the advantage of new tires because they're sticking to a Delta. So when Sainz uh, and Leclerc pitted, um, you know, the, the way it panned out, it was borderline, but he would have uh, made it um, probably ahead if it wasn't for the slow pit stop and my word does that just sum up Ferrari in, in the pits really that the pit stops have actually been quite good this year but just Ferrari doing Ferrari things of right double stack this has to be properly you know on it 
science is already on the back foot because he's had to leave a little gap and normally when you leave a gap you're at least blocking the people behind you although apparently now you're not allowed to do that because Norris got that penalty didn't he but yeah the fact that uh, then he holds the gap and then still has to wait because Leclerc's had a slow pit stop then you pit then he has a slow pit stop science must have just been fuming at that point because he's already in his head obviously feels like he's quicker and he could have passed and now he's getting um a bit screwed as well so yeah science was had a an unlucky race really um when he was um you know on on charles pace this weekend doing a really good job yeah uh, but he did drive like a man possessed when he did uh, he came out of the pits oh, some obviously, of his, moves, uh, his move on lando quite, was superb yeah. by the way like hit lando the respect you can tell those two are like really respectful drivers, obviously really good friends as well. And a lot of, we've said so many times that corner of Austria going around the outside, you know, we saw Alban, uh, George Russell hit Perez and all, all that kind of stuff. We've seen that happen before. You have to have the cooperation of the other driver. Um, and yeah, that, that move from, from Sainz on Norris, they were just giving each other just enough room that, it was respectful, but but really close racing. It was really good. I really like Austria. I think it's good good track for racing. It is it is decent? Uh, I think there was two occasions of signs passing Norris. Obviously, there's one into turn three, and then there was one down the hill into turn. Is it technically four or five? Four? I think it's four. Um, but yeah, both times uh, really nice move, but especially the one round the outside. And yeah. You you need someone you trust. Yeah. To do that definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was great racing. Uh, now into some non-Ferrari questions, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, this one's from About Andreas. What needs to be done to improve the track limits in Austria? <laughs> I feel like this is an age-old question. Every year, something is wrong with track limits in Austria. When are we just going to accept that Austria is Austria and we can't put crazy exit curbs up? We can't clearly trust the drivers to stay within track limits, so we just tell them... Don't extend. Or and when you they get do, a penalty. they get a penalty. I think as much as it was a little bit farcical and a little bit like another one, that's because they weren't playing by the rules. I think that is the way that that's the way I've always said for years is like, OK, well, if we're saying you're extending, have it as an extending. And then if you do it too many times, you get a penalty. That's exactly what they did. And I don't think there's anything that they, they should change. No, because I know it's difficult, and I know this is like it sounds a bit of a like oh, theory, and the drivers will disagree. But if the, if this was Monaco and there was a wall there, they're not extending because they know that they can't push the limit. The only reason they push the limits is because they fly into those corners really quick. They're very flat curbs, and yes, they're borderline, but they drive. They they don't even drive so they're in the track. They drive so there's one wheel on the track. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, mm. they're, they're trying to extend as much as they can and then sometimes they get bit. But if there was gravel or a wall all the way to the track edge, they're not flying into that corner every time because, you know, you, you're telling me that um, if... Uh, was Who was it that went... I think it was Yuki, wasn't it, that went seven, seven track extends? Hamilton... Uh, did it very early as well. Um, Magnussen, he got, a, he got a penalty within the first 17 laps. I think yeah, it was, was crazy. Like, are you telling me that if there was gravel right to the extent of the track, Lewis Hamilton would have gone off 
and gone no. into the gravel three or four times. Absolutely, he wouldn't not. have been coming over the radio saying my car doesn't turn because it'd be in the gravel and it'd be out the race. So yeah. <laughs> Or you slow down into the corner yeah. more and you just have to sacrifice your lap time. But if there's runoff there, it's always going to it's gonna happen. And like you say, we'll have this question every year. They've just extended the race until 2030. So I uh, look forward extended. to this question for, the next, uh, for the next few years. That was completely accidental. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, what the drivers said as well when they were extending. Oh, I didn't yeah, mean to. No. to be fair, it, it was just, very marginal. Like, I get how marginal, people are like, ah, oh, you know, wow, Carlos got a penalty for that. But that's like saying if the ball goes over the line, but only by one millimeter, that it yeah, would or wouldn't oh, be it's a goal. Not a Obviously, goal, it's, yeah. it's, it's clear cut, right? If you do it, you get a penalty after four warnings. Like it is an it is enough of a warning in order to not do it again. But you know they they try and leave. No, they try not to leave any time on the table. And the, and there's um, I know there's a lot of penalties and more. And it was kind of a bit farcical because we don't normally see. Was it six drivers? Maybe maybe more. six something like that. Six or seven drivers. But then at the same time, there's. 13 drivers that have managed to not do it and stay on the track the whole time so when you actually look at it that way it's not like you have some penalties sometimes that you're in formula one where um say like everyone's say, say every driver did something you'd be like well this is a bit sus because like you know every driver's done it but if some manage not to do it they're obviously it is possible because 13 12 whatever drivers did actually do it so yeah yeah just stay on the track i guess Verstappen managed it and uh, he won by well only five seconds we're, we're closing the gap we're closing yeah. the gap it's only five seconds to a ferrari yeah although interesting uh, as we speak um aston martin have actually protested the result of the race um because they believe that norris should have a penalty and they believe that the track limits weren't being policed properly and that they should uh like you know because because they're they're announcing it like 10 minutes later they've obviously got this var style thing but there's no clear cut um beeping as they go across the line they're just kind of watching screenshots and going oh yeah that looks like it and stuff so i don't know i was about to say so you're telling me there's a chance that ferrari could look back at verstappen's onboards and protest. However, the problem is we're going to have to need we're going to need to find six warnings because he won by five point one seconds, and we only get five second penalties. I'm sure so if you go on some Team LH Twitter account, they'll have six screenshots oh, yeah. for you. <laughs> I'll go but, and make it. Yeah, you'll right. make it. You'll Photoshop. I'll Photoshop him off the track, and then. <laughs> <laughs> 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, next question. Keys underscore Cornelise. Does this show that F1 doesn't need more street circuits, but more normal circuits? The racing today was great yesterday as well, and Silverstone next week is sure to be great as well, like last year. Um, I don't think we've ever been saying that we need more street circuits, to be honest with you. I think that obviously that's the way in which Formula One is going because they're trying to take it to big hotspots, the Las Vegas is, you know, they're trying to create a a massive show out of it. This isn't just a sport in a lot of ways, as we all know with how much drama we've had over the last few years, but it is very much a case of, we know as Formula One fans, deep down, normal circuits are better for racing. Street circuits, what 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 are they going to, Baku's yeah. not been great for years now. No, it hasn't. Has it? It had two crazy races. Apart from that, it's been pretty stinkery. Monaco is Monaco. We accept it. We love it. We went there. We were wined and dined. So now we love Monaco until the very bitter end. Um, but but yeah, overall, we've always been saying, haven't we, Tommy? Purpose-built circuits are the way to go. And Austria proves that. It doesn't necessarily mean every purpose-built circuit is great. There are some absolute stinkers out there as well that aren't street circuits, but they're usually better. Yeah, exactly. And the problem is with with all Formula One races. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But there is something in that you know some tracks are better than others, and I do think Austria is a, a very good track. Um, it's very unique as well. Um, maybe maybe another argument is that, uh, and this is the kind of thing that I always go on about uh, when I'm defending Monaco, but it kind of extends to something like Austria as well, that not every circuit needs to be a one minute 30 lap time where there's 20 to 23 turns and you have a fast first sector, slow middle sector and a medium speed third sector or whatever. Like build some Bar circuits that... Exactly, Bar but some short, circuits mate. that are unique and interesting and Austria minus the kind of dodgy track limits is such a unique circuit uh, that, you know, it throws up some interesting racing and battles and stuff. And, uh, hey, Max Verstappen didn't lead every lap. So clearly it's the, the biggest leveler of the uh, <laughs> of the the season as well. But joking aside, um, yeah, I like Austria a lot. It's a good, uh, a good track and shows that, Let's have a bit of variety on the calendar. Exactly. I think variety is is key. Uh, we can't be going to 23 street circuits, um, although I'm sure Formula 1 would love to uh, at some point because that's where the cash money lies. Uh, next question, at Chucks27. Could McLaren be best of the rest with both cars with upgrades after Ferrari and maybe Mercedes? I mean, how I see best of the rest is after Red Bull these days. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to, to judge, but... Again, it's also difficult to judge McLaren at this stage, isn't it? Because Piastri had a horrendous race and also didn't have the upgrades. And Norris, I think, even said leading up into the weekend, or maybe it was after the sprint, that 
you can't really tell at the moment wh- where McLaren are because Austria is a, as we've been saying, a unique circuit. Uh, so Silverstone will probably be a, a good um, a test bed for, for the McLaren and, and whether or not they'll be good as we move forward. Um, but it's it's hard to say. But I think if Lando Austria aside is able to bring these, these performances, then we, we know Lando will get the most out of that car nine times out of ten. Um, it's just it's just not having a dog like they seem to bring out every time the season starts. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't start the season very well. And not to um, burst the bubble of some McLaren fans that are probably very uh, pleased with how that race has gone and the upgrades, but let's just wait for another race because Lando is the absolute go to Austria. Like he's so good there. Certain drivers do just have certain tracks where they just seem really, really good at. And every year Lando seems to deliver Austria, even if the, the, wherever the McLaren is, he manages to just mix it up with the, the top teams, even if McLaren are nowhere or actually having a good season. So, uh, Lando's really good around Austria and, he had the upgrades, so let's just wait for a more normal track. Uh, it, they need to string it together for a few races. Um, I can't remember which podcast it was, but after four or five races, we were chatting, weren't we, and saying that uh, Lando's got, I think, three races in the points, and then four races he's managed to finish 16th. And that just really sums up McLaren, that every time you think they're getting better, and it's like, oh, actually, Lando did really good this race. And then the next race, he has an absolute stinker. So um, hopefully, uh, McHackenan's right and uh, they're really good and going to challenge Red Bull because someone needs to. <laughs> Come on, Micah. He is the oracle. So uh, maybe he'll yeah. he'll finally get back in the cockpit to... Uh, <laughs> yes, please. That'll End be, the sabbatical. That'll be one way, isn't it? Yeah, one way to do that. Um, so yeah, there you go. Thank you for that question, Keys. As we now... Oh, actually, that was Chuck, sorry. As we now move to another one, Andre Sommers. Where did Aston Martin go? What happened to their competitiveness? It just seems that that's sort of a running trend at the moment where just occasionally the Aston won't be very good. Just just some weekends, not many, but some, that they're just a little bit washed at. Spain, they weren't great. Here, they weren't great. It just seems that they're, they're lacking that, that raw speed. And as soon as they get sort of swallowed by the pack, they just get stuck there I would say like if Alonso can stick on the front row of the grid we can fully expect him to probably be on the podium because there is that natural speed there as well but yeah if if Alonso's starting 6th 7th 8th or whatever it just seems like there's not a huge amount of progression moving forward yeah I don't think it it really suited Aston Martin uh this year but then again you know uh particularly in the sprint uh, uh and I guess qualifying as well you know Stroll was on uh, Alonso's pace um, but they just unfortunately for them they just didn't seem to have that that pace that they did that has allowed Alonso to to put it P2 and I think it is constantly changing between Mercedes Ferrari and Aston Martin who is that best best of the rest like you said that probably is now <laughs> anyone but Red Bull uh, and the uniqueness again to mention it again of this circuit just didn't suit Aston Martin. You know, when when they speak to Fernando Alonso and go, what tracks do you reckon you could win at? He says, Monaco, Hungary, Singapore, those low-speed, slow corners, and this is absolutely not that. There's a lot of long straights, um, so it's probably the exact opposite. So um, 
think, to be fair, Fernando, actually, the, the result he did uh, is quite good damage limitation because they looked so far off compared to what they normally are. Absolutely. Uh, and again, same with Mercedes, really. Like, we, we thought they were on the them? resurgence and they were, they were nowhere. The, the, the race pace in particular was, was shocking. So, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to, to say that people were gassing them up, like you kept mentioning that people are going, oh, the Mercedes race pace is really good. And yeah. it was nowhere. I mean, there's not a question about, about it. Uh, no one actually mentioned really Mercedes and stuff, but Hamilton was absolutely fuming at the start of the race of how his car was maybe he was expecting a lot more from from the package this this weekend but just really nowhere they were nowhere in quali for the sprint and then equally just just a bit sort of average they they, they were they were all right but they they just weren't uh well, you know, we we always have that joke of like, are Mercedes back? But but this race, they just kind of settled for solid points. Yeah, and couldn't get any more than that, really, uh, which is um, not ideal, I think, for Mercedes when you've got uh, other Mercedes <clears throat> engine running cars finishing ahead of them. That's uh, that's not a good look, is it? Uh, if you're mm. if you're the works team. Um, so yeah, let's move on to the next question, which is from Austin Lemieux. How do you feel about Max taking a point away from Checo at the end? Fair play or not a team player? I, mean, I, I, I don't know what sort of narrative we're trying to build here, Austin, but I am of the opinion that I'm sure Max, well, he knew that he didn't own fastest lap probably, and he's probably put two and two together and either worked it out himself or asked the team who's got fastest lap, what is it? The moment Perez's name is uttered, or he's figured it out, he's got flashbacks to that sprint race, being slightly pushed onto the grass, and he's like, "Give me those soft tires <laughs> right now! Give me those yeah, soft tires!" I but don't I mean, care if I lose to Leclerc. Yeah, uh, I mean, we it, have a it dodgy had pit stop. Um, Leclerc at Spa when he pit for fresh tires to take fastest lap, and then lost the position to Alonso. Do you remember? Yeah, uh, that was that was great. Um, but yeah, it had the hallmarks of that. But I was I was of course praying for it because Charles Leclerc would have been the one to benefit it. And at one point, he was two seconds behind Max as Max was charging his energy up before he went <laughs> and set the fastest lap by three light years. Um, but no, there's nothing not fair play about Max going in getting new t uh, new tires and setting fast slap if anything it shows a confidence within him it shows his champion mentality he that, just that entire working outfit is is clearly you know fluid and it's there's confidence everywhere because yeah what and I, I guess as well max knows that the title's wrapped up so there's plenty of you know just comfort relaxation yeah i'll come into the pits how many seconds have i got extra ah oh, it's fine dodgy will not whatever Leclerc can have it. Like it's just all very easy, easy breezy at the moment. Does that just sum up how, yeah, the confidence of Red Bull, Max, the working partnership of that, and then you mentioned that Leclerc pit stop. Uh, was it last year at Spa? I think it was, wasn't it? Where yeah. Oh, that he, was it. Yeah, he came into the pits. He lost the place, got the place back, but sped in the pit lane. Yeah, sped in the and pit then lane. And lost the position. Of course. Yeah. yeah that oh, was no. it. Why did I bring that up? But, <laughs> but that sums up, you know. The, the other side where you've got Max who's so confident so trusting in his team his own ability you know even if there is a bit of a slow pit stop and I have to you know pull two seconds on Leclerc in the last lap and pass him like he he is just driving like 
you know, it's the kind of thing you do on the F1 game where there's no consequences or, and you can do a flashback if it goes wrong or something. This is in a Formula One Grand Prix that he's got the audacity to do that. It just shows the confidence level that you, you did a tweet about it, that it's like he's playing the, you know, the game on 0% AI and he just, it's just so easy. And then also the fact that, like you say about, about Perez, Max Verstappen has built his aura and it's something a lot of people don't like it's something that um michael schumacher was so good at as well that was just i will not give you an inch like anywhere like you will never beat me this is you know everything is perfect like i will not give you the fastest lap in a race even and that's exactly what someone like michael schumacher did and made and it's very similar that, that people don't race him the same way because they know it's like pointless in a way and people complain about it, but they know that, that when he's driving this car and the, the form that he's in, he's not going to be beaten um, and he's just building that and it's something he's done throughout his whole career um, and it's something a lot of people don't like, but it's just, that's why he's so good because well, he just does it. It's not a charity. He's not, he's not there to no. give Perez an extra point. Um, dare i say that that you know max max is more of a fernando alonso fanboy than i am and probably would like alonso to finish second in the title because he loves him but um he's not there to give a charity point to perez he's there to do his own race no drivers like schumacher like verstappen they are greats for a reason uh, they're selfish and they don't care if someone watching the television doesn't like them. They could not give <laughs> no. two tosses about oh, that. No. Like, oh, blah, no. Blah, blah, so, oh, 385 oh, said on Twitter. So that... I'll cry into my first place trophy that I've now got 42 of or however yeah, many he's got exactly. now. Like, yeah, he doesn't care. And that's the beauty of it. As soon as you care about what people think of you, that's that's when you get sort of hindered, especially in the world of motorsport and probably in life as well. Hey, just just yeah. live your life. Right. Let's go to biggest winner. Why don't you go first, Tommy? I am going to go with Ferrari because hey! I think it was a great, um, you know, got a lot of points on their their rivals of, of, of Mercedes and Aston Martin, uh, closed up in that championship that they've been uh, lagging behind a little bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, positive uh, despite, you know, talking about oh maybe they should have done this maybe they should have done that they were very quick um were unfortunate the way that the safety car panned out that it would screw one of their drivers but both drivers driving uh you know very well in the race bagging a lot of points and uh yeah well done ferrari well done ferrari we'll take that absolutely lock it in uh, my biggest winner is lando norris I think uh, he absolutely deserves a shout out uh, from this weekend. Of course, the sprint race didn't go to plan, but his qualifying was mega. You know, the fact that he was qualifying in the top five and still not happy uh, with that is is quite something and just shows the level of confidence that he has around Austria. Fingers crossed for McLaren fans uh, that this is not just a one-off and that it's not just Lando's special track and we've got more more to come because, you know, McLaren deserves to be up there fighting uh, for the top position. So, yeah, well done, Lando Norris. Now we go to biggest loser, Haas. Oh, my God. How is Hulkenberg throwing this car to what was, I guess, P2 in Canada before the penalty, P4 
as well. He just stuck it uh, this weekend. And they, Hulkenberg didn't finish. Magnussen f- didn't finish. Did he finish? No, he was dead last. No, he did finish. Dead last. He was completely dead. Oh, he was on a used set of hards. Um, shocking. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. I, I would have picked Haas as well. If I have to go someone different... Piastri. Uh, it's Haas on Piastri because he, cause he was... Um, so no, you've got to pick your boy Sonoda yeah, then. Yeah, I think Sonoda's had a bit of a shocker. He, now, we've got Verstappen with the 0% AI having a great time chilling playing the F1 game. Sonoda was playing the F1 game, but it was an it was a sprint lobby, three laps. At the beginning of that race, he lost part of his front wing and then was like, no, more yeeting required. Yeets it into turn three, then yeets himself off at turn four into the gravel. That was the old Yuki. That yeah, I, you know, it the was. One that it was less... A bit Mature, excitable, relaxed. Yeah. Like it was, it was a bit too aggressive. He looked like he was playing on zero percent AI, AI. The way that everyone was breaking really early, and they're trying to get around the outside of everyone. But he just got maybe that was in his head. He was like, "Oh my god, F one is so easy. I'm just going around the outside of everyone," <laughs> and then just slams it into the gravel and loses his front wing and all sorts. Uh, and then got seven track extensions as well um yeah yuki had a shocker so uh thanks for thanks for mentioning that so yeah i think, oh, it, I think I'm you're right so sorry oh a <laughs> bit of pain for tom bellingham the verstappen fan oh wow right let's move to our predictions that we made on wednesday to see how we did and to be honest with you some pretty good predictions right here i'm not gonna lie mm. to you okay so biggest good surprise I went for Charles Leclerc, get in, plus one point. Thank you very much. Put that in the bank for where I would have got more points for sprint pole, pole position and sprint winner had I been boring like Tommy. But um, <laughs> no, I have not. So we'll take that point. Tommy. I've gone for Carlos Sainz. No. Absolutely. No. No, 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 no. We spoke about this in the watch along. We have spoken about this in the watch along. a podium. No, we did not say that in the podcast. backed me. No, they didn't. A few people did. But Yes, we did. I said they need to be on the podium and you went, yeah. I didn't say, no, I said that I put him on the podium because I was like, that's where I think he could get. But we don't have these terms and conditions. And if oh, we no, really we want didn't. to go, if we really want to go into terms and conditions, I did a bit of research <laughs> on Twitter, actually. And oh, no. uh, I, I did a poll and said, for P1 podcast research purposes, which Ferrari driver was better during the Austrian Grand Prix weekend? Oh, and Science got 70%. Oh, so well, absolutely, yeah, well, well thank done. you very much. No, Big surprise. Oh, no, that's not, yeah, better, but not a better result. Thank you very much. Well, actually, they got actually, the no, they same got level points. Yeah, but I don't so, care. Boom. Thank you very much. Look, that's a good... Yeah. We Five both second get a point penalty. Each. They were the same. They were literally nothing separating them. If anything, Science was better because he owned him in the sprint. So here we go. Oh, so now the sprint means more than the real race, Tommy. Yeah, <laughs> look, okay, we've always interesting. said this. Okay, well, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't aggressively attack you this much if you didn't pick Verstappen for everything else. You know what I mean? Like, I would I, be like, no, half a point. No, well, I'm taking one point. Look, trust me, because okay. uh, if I get get the point, it's going to be a bit closer in the championship. And look, we, we've got a we've got a right, FIA 2021. What's this. going on? What's going on here? <laughs> it's the only championship fight we're going to get this year. So how let's are you make not close to me? You picked for Stappen for everything because I'm um, washed everything else. <laughs> you are okay. Fine, whatever. I mean, look, we'll see you what people say in the comments. Say that science was a good surprise. People yeah, he was, he was very good in the race. Well done. Finished fourth, but the terms and conditions were top three. Biggest flop. Top three in sprint. 
I went for Esteban Ocon, uh, which is definitely floppy. He finished between two Williamses, got beaten by his teammate. It's it's floppy. Thank you very much. Plus one point. Go on then. I'll allow it. Um, and biggest flop. This actually came true yeah. in the end. Nico Hulkenberg. When I actually thought it was going to have the opposite effect, and we're going to see Nico Hulkenberg being an absolute goat, which he was, but then well, remembered look, that he was driving a house. Listen to me, right now. If you're taking so much from the sprint, then I am <laughs> taking the fact that he scored three whole points mm. in the sprint. That's not floppy. That for is a flop. That's no, not floppy. You finished last. No, 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 no. Dead last in the race. <laughs> no, no, but, no, no. Uh, Ocon got a point in the sprint, so you don't get a point either. Perfect. No, Ocon sh- should get a point in an Alpine. <laughs> this is a Haas and a Hulkenberg. Right, this is where I think people will back me yeah, on this one. I think we need to, maybe, uh, we need some kind of like a poll. Maybe we start doing Twitter polls for like, is this a point? Is this, is a, this point? a point? Yeah, every maybe, single one. Maybe we start doing that, but I don't think Hulk's a flop. Because of Maybe the sprint, if he hadn't, it, it was unbelievable in the sprint and scored points. You can't, don't, he was, don't you but dare. The sprint doesn't no, matter. You've got two points coming Sainz. up, so just zero points this one. Thank you very much. <laughs> you did not know. Nico is not a flop. I'm not allowing what? it. Pole position. I went for Alonso. Zero points. Shut up, Tommy. What did you go for? Let me guess. Verstappen. Easy. Boring. Thanks plus one. Point. No, half a point. Just because you went for Verstappen. Okay, a point. Well done. Sprint pole. I went for Alonso. No, don't care. Tommy, you went for Verstappen. Boring. Well done. Another point. Sprint winner. Uh, I went for Alonso. Boring. And then you actually didn't go boring and you didn't score a point. So I know what you'll go next time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went for Perez, which I, I got I got the theory of that he'd pass Max at, uh, on the first corner, corner. And then yeah. I forgot that it's Max Verstappen and everything I just said about him being ruthless and not being anyone like, oh, in it's going to be so nice and give Perez the, yeah. the win. <laughs> Good joke. <laughs> okay, we now go to our top three. Uh, in third place, I went for Charles Leclerc, which is incorrect. Tommy, you went for... Science incorrect. Second, I went for Alonso, incorrect. I went for Perez, which was also incorrect. And then we both went for Stappen top, so one point for us both there. Well yeah. done. And our one crazy prediction. Come on, both of us. Wait. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh dear. We almost made it to our podcast. Uh, I went for Alex Alban makes Q3. And yes, he did by the skin of his teeth. He did. What a prediction that is. No loopholes, just beautiful predictions. No loopholes. Over to you, Tommy. Um, Yeah, Max won't lead uh, the lap, like during lap. The way you've written this down is Max won't lead a lap. But the way I explained it was fine in the podcast. Ref, your (laughs) honour. VAR. (laughs) On our podcast sheet, it says Max won't lead a lap, and he won the race, so that's zero points. Well, technically, if we're going to go with that, in this sheet it says Tommy's top three, Verstappen, Paris, Science, and that was the order of the sprint. So three points coming my way, baby. We're getting very... (laughs) uh, People are going to need to see this sheet, aren't they? People that do their own spreadsheets are going to get very confused of who's actually got points. So, look, we both got a point for our crazy prediction. Yeah, well done. Good job. Okay, right. I think this podcast is going off the rails. So that's the point where we <laughs> will end. Um, we'll be doing our F1 to 10 driver ratings as a podcast tomorrow. So be sure to check that out. And of course, we have lots more content coming your way. And we have Silverstone where we'll be at. So we've got lots of content. Promise you, it's going to be coming out of our ears and into your eyes and ears. Waffle things. Tommy, what's your final thoughts? My final thoughts are, yes, Silverstone is going to be absolute banger. 
and it's going to be the best race of the year as well and uh, it's going to be exciting it certainly is and if you're going to Silverstone if you're going to the British Grand Prix please come and say hello to us if you see us we love to speak to each and every one of you because it's uh, it's our favourite weekend of the year we're also going to be live on the main stage at 11.30 in the morning on the Sunday so please come and have a watch if you're there um, but yeah we actually might be I think we're going to be able to record it so you, you might actually be able to hear oh. what we talk about even though a lot of it might not have any sense because it'll be us talking prior race uh, before the race Uh, but hey look I think a lot of you enjoy the fact that we're doing things outside so yes thank you everybody as always for the love and support for watching us uh, over on Twitch it's been amazing Uh, uh, but yeah more content coming your way so it's it's not ending anytime soon adios take care Bye 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 P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.